Okay, we are uh, still in Exodus 20, and we are looking at the third command. Um, I don't know if we'll go one command at a time, but these first four commands are so important that um, we're taking them one at a time. So we've already dealt with uh, Exodus 20, uh, 1 through 6, um, dealing with first command is the proper object of our worship, and that is God and God alone. Nothing else is to be put beside him. Nothing else is put before him. Nothing else is to be set against him. Um, and it's because the proper object of worship is God. It's not God saying, I just want you to do this. It's that that's what we are created for. And most of us know if you don't worship the true God, you end up worshiping a false God. Men worship. It's part of our DNA. It's the way God made us. Even an atheist who says, I don't worship anything, probably worships his intellect. Right? Reason becomes the highest thing. Uh, and so that's the first one. There's uh, one God who is to be worshipped and no other. Uh, last week we looked at in a sense how to worship, but it actually in a sense goes back to that original command. We're not to build idols for ourselves. We're not to make any likeness that we then um, use, that we use to worship or that we use to try and understand God. So um, the, 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 the problem with any image, with any idol, we said last week, is that it demeans God, it dishonors him, or it twists. So that when Moses makes the golden calf, and he says, not Moses, Wesley's shaking his head. Thank you, Wesley. Aaron makes the golden calf. Very good. It's good to have silent critics back then. That's good, Wesley. I'm glad you said that. When Aaron makes the golden calf, he says, this is Yahweh. This is your God. The people ask Aaron to make gods. He makes an idol. He says, this is your God. Why does he fashion it the image of a, of a, of a cow or a bull? And we said last week, one suggestion from J.I. Packer is that he was thinking of the strength of the bull. But in the process of focusing on one aspect of God, that God is strong, you, you eliminate all the other aspects. A bull isn't wise, and a bull isn't everlasting, and a bull isn't holy, and a bull isn't none of those things. And its strength is even distorted. Right, because his strength, he grows weary. Even a bull grows weary. And so anything you picture with God is going to debase and demean him. Um, and the interesting thing is, is that we do that ourselves. When we make that statement, well, God to me is, that's the God of our age, is that we get to create God as whatever we want. And then we feel like then we have the right to worship that. And if you try and say, no, that's not who God is, then you're being intolerant. And yet the Bible is very clear about who our God is, and it comes from a description of him and his character. So that was the last two weeks. Now this week we have the third command, um, which starts in verse 7 and goes to verse, uh, actually, Starts in verse 7 and ends in verse 7. It's one verse, okay? And it says, 
You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, um, I grew up in a Christian home, as did many of you. I understand what this verse means, right? There are certain words that you don't say. That's what the third commandment means. Um, I don't use the name God when I hit my thumb or when I'm um, ex- uh, uh, surprised or when I'm excited. And I don't say Jesus Christ in the same circumstance, right? And then, for good measure, we throw in a whole bunch of other words, right? There's a bunch that I can't say. I could even give you the first letter, but, but then you're thinking those words, okay? So we all know what those words are. And to me, growing up, that was the third commandment. Don't use this word in this way, which makes it really easy to obey the third command, right? You just strip a couple of words out of your vocabulary, you're done, okay? <clears throat> now, let me, let me just say something before we start. Um, if you do use the Lord's name that way, uh, you have violated the third command. Okay? Um, the other words that will remain unmentioned, um, those are not violating this command. That doesn't mean they're okay to say, but we need to push those aside. That's not part of this command. Um, I thought it was growing up, but it, it isn't. Um, now, there are a lot of verses in the New Testament talk us how talk talk to us or teach us how to speak. Things like let your speech be seasoned with salt, not seasoned with other things. Seasoned with salt, we speak in a certain way. Let no profane or coarse language come out of your mouth. There is a movement in Christian circles to begin to speak more like the word, world, and so you start to hear it more among Christians, kind of a coarse speech. That's a whole nother sermon now, right? Okay, we're talking about taking the Lord's name in vain. So, I'm assuming a lot of you are on the same page with me. That's what you were taught as a little kid. That's what taking the Lord's name in vain is. I think we're going to find that if we reduce it to that, then we've missed something really important. I think it's like the idols. Not one of you has ever gone and built an idol for yourself or bought an idol and put it up in your home. But sometimes we're guilty of violating the second command nonetheless because we say, well, I'm going to ignore these attributes of God. So something like that's going to happen here. So let's look at the two parts to this. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does it mean to take something in vain? Okay, take it for granted. Treat it as if it's not uh, valuable. That's what taking for granted is. Very good. Uh, yeah, to misuse something, um, that's going to be a part of it because anytime we misuse it, we're going to do that to it. If the actual word vanity here means to make empty, to empty it, or to remove it of its meaning. Um, 
You know how in, in Ecclesiastes it says vanity of vanities, all is vanity, but there are some newer translations that will say meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless, and it conveys the same idea. So to take God's name and to empty it of any of its meaning, or to empty it of all of its meaning, is to take the name of the Lord in vain. Um, I was reading an article about this pastor who said that he was on an airplane sitting next to a guy who every other sentence took the Lord's name in vain. And finally, he said, usually, I mean, you're probably like me. You hear somebody do that. I don't confront them. Um, but sitting next to the guy, he finally turned to him and he said, you know, I just need to tell you, this is really hard for me to hear you keep saying this and there's nowhere I could go. And the guy says, I am so sorry. He said, I don't mean anything by it. That's the point. You don't mean anything by it. You just, you're using it as a filler word. Uh, you're using it um, in, in a sense where it has no, per, no, no value to you whatsoever. Okay? So to strip God's name of any meaning is the idea here. To use it in such a way as we uh, lower uh, that, the, the, the value of God's name. Uh, secondly here, we're not to take the name of the Lord in vain. So let's think about the name of the Lord. Um, I, I actually listed a bunch of names of the Lord from Um, let me just give you a list of God's names. Um, God is um, Almighty, El Shaddai. When we speak the name of the Lord, one of God's names is that He is Almighty or All Powerful. He is the Most High, and He is, of course, Holy. These are all names of God. He is Master. Or Lord. Um, he is everlasting. And by the way, all of these are names. Uh, actually, this, I have to be careful. This isn't actually a name that's given to him. This is a description of him. Let me take that one off of there. Not that he's not holy. Not that he's not holy. But I don't know if there's a, a name of God which is holy. But there is one where he says, I am Yahweh um, or Jehovah and it's everlasting. I am Jehovah and it's, I am master and Lord. I am Jehovah most high. Uh, he is a provider. Um, that is when he is on the uh, mountain with Isaac, uh, Abraham and Isaac, and God himself will provide and that becomes one of God's things. Um, he is the Lord of hosts. Um, and then there's a number where they describe God. The Lord is uh, my banner. We looked at that. That was when the battle took place between the Amalekites. Moses was lifting his hands up. Uh, my shepherd. Of course, from Psalm 23. The Lord is our righteousness. All of these are names of God. And he is the Lord who... heals, and he is the Lord who sanctifies, 
and he is the Lord who um, is there. The Lord who is present with us. So this is, when we talk about God's name, that's God's, those are some of the names of God, and there would be more than this. When we take and strip God of any of these attributes, then we are taking and uh, and you, uh, demeaning his name. Um, what's interesting about the name of God, in the Bible, the name of God is synonymous oftentimes with God himself, and it's synonymous with his attributes and his character. Um, my name is Scott. It means nothing. <laughs> it means from Scotland. I'm not from Scotland. <laughs> My parents aren't from Scotland. My grandparents aren't from Scotland. I think, not sure, because the genealogy gets really sketchy at some point, because um, there was somebody who came over on a boat and was born, uh, never mind, anyways. Um, but we might, I, I did have a great grandfather named McDonald, so he's probably from Scotland. So somewhere, way back when, um, that name doesn't mean much. But when you use God's name, it means exactly what it says. When we talk about God being almighty, it's because he is almighty. When we say he's everlasting, it's because he is everlasting. And as such, often in the Bible, the name of God and God himself are interchanged. So let me just give you a few verses. We don't have to turn to a lot of them. Uh, we'll look at a couple of them. You remember um, Job? When everything's stripped from him, his wife says, curse God and die, and he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes what? Yeah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why not just say, blessed be the Lord? But he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay? Um, look at, uh, we'll just look at a couple verses, because a lot of them are in Psalms. Psalm uh, chapter 8. Uh, chapter 8 verse 1 and then it's repeated at the end of the psalm in verse 9 O Lord our Lord how majestic is what your name in all the earth um, you could have taken that phrase out and I would say it would mean to us almost exactly the same thing O Lord our Lord how majestic are you in all the earth but but God's name represents him and it represents his character and who he is um, in Psalm 111 uh, verse 9 I believe this I have a whole bunch of verses by the way they're all over the Psalms especially um, um, he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Um, so God's name represents him. Um, in the New Testament, um, uh, Jesus talks about in the uh, high priestly prayer that he has glorified God's name on the earth. Um, but I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2, that great passage, the kenosis passage, the emptying passage, where Christ 
Uh, we're looking at what Christ has done for us. And we won't read the whole thing. He was in the form of God. He didn't count that something to grasp. He came, made himself obedient unto death, even death on the cross. And then it says, and God has highly exalted him, uh, starting at verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So he's given a name like God's name is above every name. So that at what? At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Well, I just interpret that that of Jesus, every knee will bow, right? Jesus is there, he's going to bow. But when his name is spoken, it conveys his character and who he is and what he's done. And everyone will bow at that point. Um, what I'm trying to get at is that the name of God is a little different than your name or my name. Now, having said that, um, oftentimes we do, though, the same thing, don't we? If I talk about your good name, what am I referring to? Your reputation, right? So there's that commercial, those of you who listen to KMJ, about Evan Speed and the former guys from the Sons of San Joaquin, and the end of the commercial is, they put their name on it. Which means this family has staked their reputation on the integrity of their, of their store, okay? Um, so, so when we're talking about um, the na somebody's name, oftentimes we use it in similar s circumstances. Your name has some sort of value. There's a great verse in, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 7, I believe. It says, a good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of one's, this is weird, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. And in, in Hebrew poetry, you have to ask, how do those two connect together? They're not two disjointed thoughts. Well, the day of your birth, you have no reputation, right? But on the day of your death, you have a, you have a name. And hopefully it's a good name, and a name that when people hear it, they, it, it's, it's, it, it represents something good and honorable to them. By the way, you can have a really bad name too, right? Uh, and that's part of your reputation. But God's name is not bad. God's name is good. Okay? So that's kind of the background. So now let's talk specifics. Um, let, me, let me give you, uh, tell you a story, two stories. And then we'll use this as a kind of a bouncing off point. We'll brainstorm a little bit. What, what possibly would we do to tear down God's name? Um, I have, um, quite a few years ago now, I had a tenant. We got into just a little bit of financial. She was a single lady. Uh, uh, Susan was her name, living by herself in one of my properties. And she was having some financial problems, so she asked if she could take on a roommate. And I allowed it, and I said, sure. So she brought in this other gal. <coughs> the gal was a pack rat. Unlike any pack rat that I have ever seen, there was nothing that she would throw away, not even old newspaper. In, you know, it, I mean, it was just... So the house just starts filling up. Then it spills into the garage. Well, when she moved out, the garage was packed floor to ceiling with stuff. Uh, you couldn't put a car in there. You couldn't put a, a mouse in that garage. Well, there were mice in the garage. You couldn't put much in that garage. Then it starts spilling out to the backyard. Okay, so this is not a good situation. But I, I'm getting to the point where it's like, got to do something about this. So I come over one day, and the backyard is cleaned up. She, um, just so you know, the other tenant would go to garage sales every week. 
because she didn't have enough stuff. And then she would buy this junky furniture and it'd be all out on her, on the, the big back porch that was behind the house. I come over to work on something and the backyard is cleaned up. They're, all the stuff is gone. And I asked Susan, I, I just said, wow, this is really cool, you guys cleaned up. And she goes, you do know that none of that stuff is mine. I said, yes, Susan, I'm aware of that. I said, how did you manage it? And she goes, oh, it was easy. I just told uh, the tenant, the other gal, that you had told me that if she didn't get all the junk out of the backyard, you were going to evict her. Okay? <laughs> and when she said that, uh, and I kid you not, these words came out of my mouth. I said, Susan, you've used my name in vain. I've never used that phrase before, but it, it, I didn't know what else to say. You took my name and you used it for your own purpose to accomplish something you wanted and you damaged my reputation in the process because I would never deal with the tenant that way. I would never tell a tenant through a third party that I'm going to evict you. And then she said, yeah, she's kind of upset with you. Well, yeah, of course she is. <laughs> of course she is. So then I had to go and talk with her. But, but she took my name and she used my name for something, which uh, maybe it was even a purpose that I would have wanted. I wanted the backyard cleared up, cleaned up but she used it in a way that wasn't consistent with who I am. And so she used my name in vain. Now, um, here's another uh, story. I was on the elder team, the, the uh, leadership team, it wasn't actually called elder team, <laughs> the leadership team at a church. And the pastor was trying to shake things up and he wanted changes. He was really agitating for making a lot of changes. And so he comes to um, one of our meetings with a document. And the title of the document is God's Plan for Our Church. Okay, I just ponder that for a minute. Uh, God's Plan for Our Church. Um, what was really interesting was that there was an older pastor who had been a senior pastor but now was semi-retired. He was doing visitation. And he, that pastor gave us this and he was kind of joking about the title and he said, you know, Richard, the other pastor, told me that I shouldn't title it this because it, it violates the third command. And and he just kind of laughed that off. But doesn't that violate the first command? Whose plan for the church was that? His. But whose plan did he say it was? So how much different is that than what my tenant did, right? Okay, so now let's, let's think here a little bit. What do we as Christians do that do exactly the same thing? <clears throat> Okay, I never would have thought of that. I, uh, I think there's some truth to that. We place ourselves in the position of determining somebody's final, final destiny, which is one of the attributes of God that he is the judge, not us. 
Now, we could certainly say if somebody doesn't repent and turn to Christ, then that's the truth. But to say because you did this, then this is your future, then that would be, okay, good. What else? Yeah. Um, so using the name of Jesus uh, to reinforce what we have just said. Okay, very good. Well, give 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 some more background there. give a little different um, sometimes somebody will say well God told me to tell you okay uh, I don't think that's a whole lot different than what my tenant did God told me to tell you or I have a word from the Lord for you well what do you do with that you either have to believe that person is lying or they're sincere but but now do I have to obey what they said? So somebody takes and puts that, what they're saying and using God's name to give authority to what they're saying. I don't know if that totally explains it, but I, I think that's what Tom is trying to, trying to go. Where you you take on the mantle of that this is God's this is what God would have us do though probably yeah okay that's that's it um, anything else takes on the mantle of that there's more authority here than there actually is. Right. I had a Starting to get 
yeah, where we have to be, okay, because we do use that type of language. The Lord told me this. The Lord told me to pray for, for you. So what, what, would we, what would be perhaps a better thing to say? I pray for you. I, I, I felt the Lord leading me to pray for you. But, but we just have to be careful because we as Christians, there's a Christian culture where certain things are acceptable. Um, Tom is mentioning other, other sides of Christianity. There are, Christ, uh, there are Christian churches where it is very common to say, God told me to tell you this. Um, um, or where they speak with God's authority, um, something that isn't out of the word of God. And uh, for us, our ears go up when we hear that. But something like that, God told me to pray for you. Well, we believe that to be the case. We just might want to be careful the type of words that we're using. Because, um, because now you're putting God's stamp of, on, on what you have just done. Or just said. This, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out one. Um, and again, this came from my reading. It's, I'm just throwing this out to be provocative. Um, but one of, the, one of the articles that I read this week preparing, the man said, we use the phrase, uh, God bless you, um, almost as uh, goodbye sometimes. And we're, we're just throwing that out, God bless you. Um, sometimes it'll be what you put at the end of your letter and whatnot. <clears throat> are, are we using it? Is that an example of using? I mean, we're saying a nice thing. We're saying uh, I, we're conveying a well wish, and maybe we're just abbreviating. But uh, have, have we? Is, is that does does that use God's name in vain? To simply uh, God bless you. To, People that we meet. Do we really mean it, or are we just using it as a verbal, like we would say, "You're welcome." Okay, now we got some hands up. How many hands have we heard? God bless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because we may not really. <coughs> we, we're we're just using it as a. We're not using it. We're just saying it. We're just saying it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm not the expert here. I'm just saying that what happens is we don't necessarily think about it. Yeah, it's kind of a fine line on that. I think it's about if the person is purposeful 
or to kind of make it simple, like a woman who is, you know, hanging out with her baby, and the baby sneezes really, oh, God bless you, you know. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily pretty important. I guess the question is, if we find ourselves saying, well, I don't really mean anything by it. It's just what I say. It kind of reminds me of the guy who's using it and saying, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. So um, anyways, so that, that's some, some things to think about. Uh, by the way, there's some other stuff here that I want to get to, just some other things I want to throw out. But. Psalm uh, 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within me, bless his holy name. So we can bless God and, uh, according to this. I mean, it goes on to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all, not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I mean, I'm thinking when I say, God bless you, may the God that I am blessing bless you with these benefits. And if that's what you mean when you say it, then it's not using God's name in vain. The question is, do we even think about it when we say it, or is it just something that gets thrown out? Well, if you say bless you, and that, that's fair. But I, I think we don't think about how we're doing Let me throw out two things because we're going to run out of time. I, this is, I, it was meant to be thought provoking. Uh, by the way, if you're really offended, if you want to keep saying, uh, God bless you, then do that. But understand that you need to have meaning in that phrase, or it's a meaningless use of God. Jesus talks about vain repetition, just using something over and over again without even thinking about it. Um, but I think there are two other areas that we need to, to look at. One of them is vows. When you take a vow and you swear by God's name, God takes that very seriously because if you violate the vow, then you are um, demeaning God's, God's name. Um, I had a friend in high school all the way through, whenever he wanted us to believe for certain that he was saying was the truth, he would say, I swear to God. Well, what is he doing when he swears to God? He's saying on the basis of this higher authority, God, I will do what I promise. He's using God's name to, to make his vow seem more 
secure. But God himself, when we take a vow, if we take a vow, make sure that you pay the vow. Um, look at Leviticus uh, chapter um, oh, where is that? 19, verse 12. On this. Um, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of the Lord your God I am the Lord um, if we swear by God's name and then uh, later on other passages we don't keep that vow or we don't mean to keep that vow then you have profaned and to profane, profane means to make less holy we have taken the name of the Lord in vain by making that vow so what does Jesus say? Don't swear by God above because you don't know if you're going to be able to keep that oath. And as a result, don't do it. So we're asked not to do that, to take to, to make vows. But if we do make a vow and we use invoke the name of the Lord, then it is a very serious thing to keep that vow. Um, yes. So what do we do if we take a vow which God are we vowing to? Give me an example. So for instance, if you were to take a position in office. What is your? What do we do with that? Which God are we vowing to at that point? I think you're vowing. If you say, uh, um, by the God you believe in, yeah, yeah, you're, you, you you would mean not who they think, but who you believe. Yeah. Now, I, I just throw that out. That's a that's one issue. Here's a real interesting one. But what are we called? Christians. Where's that name come from? Christ. Um, we have the name of Christ. Revelation chapter 3. Um, and not just here, but other places, but Revelation 3, verse 12. Um, <clears throat> um, this is Jesus speaking. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Uh, we have the name of God written on us. Um, in some ways what we do as Christians can profane the name of the Lord because we demean him in the eyes of others. Think of all the televangelists over the years. Think Jim Baker and Tammy Faye. Those of you who are old enough. What did they do to the name of God by their actions? For those of you who don't know, they were televangelists and big empire and millions of dollars and they were crooks and then they fell into adultery. Maybe they weren't crooks at the beginning, but they became crooks and then they fell into adulterous affair and, and the whole country was laughing at them. 
and not only laughing at them, but laughing at our God. You know, this week on Monday, I heard the report about this. Some of you may have heard this. The Sikh temple up in Turlock, <clears throat> where there's a power struggle and um, over who's the leadership of this Sikh temple. And they began fighting. It broke out into a fist fight. Well, and they all have their ceremonial swords, and they were swinging their swords around. Um, it was lucky nobody got killed. And afterwards, and I'm listening to it and kind of laughing, right? And what am I laughing at? Well, they seek religion. And then I thought, my goodness, that's what happens to us when a televangelist does that. One guy afterwards came on and said, what really grieves me is that people are going to think this is who we are. And, and I was glad he said it. It brought me back. I, I shouldn't judge them by the actions of this tiny group, but we do. Now when you hear Sikhs, you're going to think of them swinging their swords around the temple. Okay? I don't think that probably has happened ever in the United States other than in that one time. But, but um, we see it. We see a televangelist or we see somebody who puts themselves out there and then they fall into sin. Uh, your name is the same name as Christ's. You, you, his name is written on you or you have a new name. We represent Christ. When we cheat somebody, when we lie to somebody, when we steal something from somebody, when we don't, uh, we aren't honorable. Christ's name is 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 demeaned as a part of that. So just like last time, you can take this command and whittle it all the way back to, don't use these two words. But in effect, this command encompasses our entire life. As we live our life, what we do reflects on the name of our God. And our goal, now we get back to the purpose. Our goal is not only not to demean God or to empty his name, it's to build it up. There should be, when people look at our lives, they, they glorify God. And Paul speaks about that. Jesus does. Let your light shine before men. So that people may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. That's the other side of this command. It's not just don't empty God's name. It's everything we do needs to be lifting God's name up. And we represent him whether we want to or not. That old saying, you're the only Christian, you're the only Bible some people will ever read. You're the only Christ some people will ever be able to come in contact with because you are a believer and you are a Christian. So um, uh, there's a lot of, lot of different areas. I do think we have to be careful. There is a Christian culture where certain words creep in and we use them in ways that we don't even necessarily think about. Um, we we want to be purposeful in our language, but we want to be thinking, how does what I say and how does what I do glorify my God? So... <coughs> comments before we before we end. Are you going to cover the aspect that's quite common when you refer to it uh, about using the name of the Lord in Christian? Well, that would be um, that would be probably the most obvious example of taking the name of the Lord. A lot of people, even Christians, use abbreviations of <laughs> the name of Jesus. Uh, well, the, yeah, we would call those minstrels. My mom said, don't even go near <laughs> using the name of our precious Savior like G's or G or any of that. Yeah. You know. 
Um, yeah, we would call those mince bows. Um, and I think we have to be careful of those too. I do think you'll find, Glenn, that if you talk with most of the people who are a couple of generations below you, they don't even, it, it doesn't even occur to them. So in a sense, you can open, in other words, if they say gee whiz, they don't think that G is a shortened form for for Jesus, right? Or uh, dad gummit, I won't even go there, but we all, uh, right? We, we have those words that we use, so that's good. I, I would say this though, a little bit more modern. OMG. People use that all the time. Yeah. And, and it means exactly what, I mean, and, and though, although you don't write it out, you voice it when you see that written. If you're putting that in texts, um, stop. Stop it, because that shouldn't be there. That is, that is inappropriate. Um, and, and there's a lot of other things that we do that with, too. Just we've now abbreviated, but we've done the same thing. But, but that comes down to the actual words we've spoken. And like I said, I think it's, it's bigger than that, the, the entire concept. We got one couple up here. And this thing we're looking at is fantastic, it's, it's wonderful. I think at the heart of it, it is God is so, well, he's God, he's amazing, and we, we can't even plumb the depths of the beginning of that amazing glory of his. Yeah. And, and that ought to just kind of tell us, that ought to be, why do I not want to use this name Because he is so glorious. Yeah. That should be just resident in my heart. It's just there. I have a glorious God who merits all meditation and honor from our lips. Yeah. And again, turn it around. We, we should be, our goal should be to glorify God's name, which is the exact opposite. That's what we've been called. It's very easy to diminish the name of the Lord, and it's actually hard to glorify his name because we, we will never accomplish it fully or completely on this earth. But, but that's what we're called upon to you do. Said it's, you gotta take it seriously because it's serious. Yeah. That's our mindset. It's, it's a change in mindset when we think about God and how we speak about him and what our life purpose is to glorify God. Anything else? Okay, let's close in prayer.